0: Welcome everyone who's here this morning and I know we have a couple of visitors at least and there may be more but uh, we're glad you're here and I hope you'll want to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have and I would encourage our members to reach out to you and I'm sure they have already but reach out to you and <coughs> excuse me make you feel welcome and uh, as I said hopefully you'll want to come back and be with us often this morning we're going to continue our lesson as you can tell um, in relation to the theme, the idea of being holy. And if you'll notice at the bottom of the screen, in my relationship. I kind of want to let that sink in for a moment, just being holy in my relationship. Let me add a couple to the sick list, though. Um, You'll notice Everton is here by himself. Crystal was not feeling well at all yesterday. He said she is a lot better, but uh, she's at home, and uh, we'll look forward to having her back with us uh, in this coming week. But add Crystal to the list and also continue to remember Tyra and uh, little Ethan, her newborn. And um, he will have some procedures coming up in the next few weeks. Um, Just keep them in your prayers, if you will. My uh, cohort, counterpart, fellow worker, whatever, uh, Wes is down in Baltimore uh, in that area with Percy and Shirley. So let's wish him well this morning. Also, he's probably uh, beginning to preach about now, as as I am. Without any further delay, let's talk about the idea of being holy in my relationship. And let's acknowledge the fact that it takes time. We've spent some weeks looking at historical attempts to be holy, and in all of these things, in all of these different structured plans that people had, you can see that it's time-consuming. It takes time to be holy. But God has said, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You've seen this picture a number of times, and I'm really not trying to beat you over the head with it. It's just that it is a graphic depiction of a separation that exists between God and man. And we often, as Christians, God's people recognize the separation. I hope that as you've been meditating on the idea of being holy, that you've thought about yourself, and in humility said, I need to be more holy, because we all do, regardless of where we are, and that you will even recognize this separation, perhaps, that exists between you and God, however great or small that might be, and you'll want to bridge that gap. You'll want to build, as it were, a better relationship with God. I think that's true of all relationships that are important to us. I may have a great relationship with my wife or my daughter, or friends, or whatever. But I'm always saying to myself, it can be better. And if I do certain things, and I try to work on maybe this little area of life, or whatever it might be, it will be better. And I hope that's the way we approach our relationship with God. We have emphasized in this first quarter the idea of being holy in my relationship. And you'll notice in parentheses, and we're really going to start talking about that, and we will through this month, Accepting God's call and notice, God has called us. Jesus made that clear as he was here upon the earth. God has called us, but we have to accept it. So accepting God's call to come to him or even to come up to him if we're thinking about the picture of the mountain. I won't go to these verses this morning, but I will throughout this month, especially the idea in Isaiah chapter two, Of God residing, His house residing in the, quote, top of the mountains and all nations flowing to it. The idea of us answering the call and allowing God to teach us of His ways. And our, and I didn't put that verse on there, but verse 5, our walking in the light of the Lord. Or in James 4, to put it in much simpler language than Isaiah, but where James quotes God as, as saying, come near to me. And I'll come near to you. And so we'll emphasize that and talk about that this month. But coming up to meet God, as you've seen often, I've put this up before us. It's a journey. It's a process. It takes a concerted effort on my part. Diligence on my part. And we saw that in those different groups, how they were putting forth effort, and some of them still existing. They put forth a great amount of effort in every facet of life. And the goal, at least in the beginning, we won't talk about what it might be now, but at least in the beginning, on the part of every one of those groups of people, even our own brethren, was to be more holy, to bridge this gap between man and God. Uh, A practical plan for bridging the separation that exists. Let's go a little further with that this morning. I want to ask you a question, and this may seem like I'm really changing gears, but I'm not. Who is your best friend? And I just want you to stop and think about that for a second. Most of us have one, and uh, maybe we have several, you know. But who is your best friend? And then maybe more importantly even, why is that person or those people best of friends to you? I want to suggest to you that if you go through your answers, they may include something like this, and one or more of these things might have popped immediately in your mind. We like the same things, you might say, or we have a lot of things in common. We would start out as little children, and that's the case. We seek out people that think like us, want to play the games we play, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and we enjoy that. We like the same things, someone would say. I, I've had one friend that I, I've had since ninth grade, and he and I are still friends. We don't see a lot of each other. We used to spend every day together. And I remember the very first thing we had in common, both of us in 1973 found out the other one loved the Beatles. And that was was the beginning. And when you added Star Trek to it and Atlanta Braves baseball, and on it went, we just became big pals, big buddies. He was there that night when I was changing my life in southern Alabama, and he was one of those who was talking to me about, Michael, you got to change your life, or... You know, you're going to end up here, you're going to end up there. So he holds a special place in my heart. He's a best friend of mine. But maybe you said something like, we spend a lot of time together. Or we once did, in the case of the guy I was just talking about. And now we spend as much time as we can, even though life might have demands on us. But when we do, we really enjoy our time together. If you got someone out there, is there someone that you may not see for a while? now that circumstances have changed. But boy, when you see them, it doesn't take 60 seconds to quote-unquote pick right up where you left off. That's because of something that was forged, built over time. Maybe you say, this makes me feel good to be with that person. I just feel better. I mean, I enjoy being around that individual. and, and, And that's why they're a best friend. Maybe you even acknowledge... That the time spent with this person, the relationship you have, makes you a better person. And maybe that hits at what we're really talking about in a holy relationship. Because it's the idea of someone who builds you up. Someone who makes a better person of you. Someone who challenges you when you need to be challenged. Like two guys that would sit in a hotel room and you know enter into a five or six hour con- conversation with... Someone and say, you know, if you don't change your life, where are your friends? If you don't change your life, here's where you're headed. And be honest about it. Maybe it is that kind of person who is a best friend. It takes time to have a relationship with someone, real. It takes effort, diligence. In other words, really giving the effort to build such a relationship. And to maintain a lasting Holy relationship. Now, when I say it's lasting and it's holy, I mean by that that it's different. You know that you have acquaintances, perhaps business associations, etc., etc. You wouldn't really, I mean, you might use the term friend, but you know the difference between friend and best friend. And you know that that's not what you're talking about. And you understand that when we're looking at situations like this, we're talking about something that's different. And we're talking about a relationship that's special. And we're talking about a relationship that you keep. And that if you're going to keep it, if you're going to build it, and it's going to get stronger and better, and you're going to maintain that over the course of a lifetime, you're going to spend some time, maybe a lot of time. And you're going to spend effort, and you're going to really be diligent about it because the relationship is important. In fact, sometimes we would say certain relationships are more important than life itself. And I think all of us feel that way. Who among us, the person we love the most, the best friend we ever had, etc., etc., would really stop from running into a burning building because we would say to ourselves, I don't want to live without that person. You know, I've got two people up here, I know that's the case. And I'm sure you do too. It's just that relationship is so much a part of life that if I have my choice... And I can do anything to change it. I don't want to live life without that relationship. Now what I'm saying in all of that is that God needs to be one of those relationships we have. And if God is to be our friend, a person might, not, you know, might say, well, I didn't know if God was supposed to be our friend. We're going to talk about that because He is. If God is to be our friend, if we are to really be close to God, And it will be holy if that's the case. Because it will be separated. A relationship that's different and special and that you build and maintain. If we're to be close to God, it's going to require the same kind of time. I understand that with friends on this earth. That at some point, if I'm going to have a close friend, it's going to take a great amount of time. Why do I not understand that when it comes to God? I can't simply check in once every once in a great while to a church service and think that I'm building and maintaining a relationship with God. So it takes time. It's going to take the same kind of time. It takes time for a relationship to be holy. I want to get a little bit psychological here, but I won't try to go too far with this. But the Christian's goal, really, is to build and maintain what is called an interpersonal relationship. I don't want to get carried away with the term that just means a relationship between two persons or more. So an interpersonal relationship. But that's our goal. I want an interpersonal relationship with God. I want to relate to God in a deep and strong association. In psychological rounds, when we talk about interpersonal relationships, we talk about two people who relate to, to each other, and they are close. We understand that term. We know what that means. I'm close to that person. I've grown closer to that person over the years, etc., etc. And now my association or my relationship is deep with that person. We, we know that terminology. We get it. A close connection, a real tie or bond that has been forged between two people. An enduring bond between the two of us. And if we look at the relationship in the Bible, we begin to understand that when we're talking about God, it is based on covenant. Let's briefly mention covenant. A covenant is a mutual agreement. Now, the Bible speaks of Old Testament, New Testament. Old covenant, New Covenant. It uses that terminology. I'm not sure we often think of the Bible as a covenant. Not in our society. Not in our terminology. We think of it as commandments. We think of it as what the Bible says to do and not do. But do we think of it as a covenant? Do we think of it as an agreement? Even if you want to go business with it, contractual That when you're baptized, you contract with God, where there's going to be a give and take, both sides. Or you come into an agreement with God, where God says, if you will, then I will, so and so, such and such. God says, I will, so and so, I will, such and such. And you say, well, if you will do that, then I will do so and so. That's a covenant. And that's a covenant relationship. And just like in the business world, or just like in any other relationship or situation, ours begins with that. Just like it does out in the world, we may come together because, hey, business brought us together. School brought Robert and I together all those years ago. A class that we had together. But it goes way beyond that, and we understand that. God's relationship with us begins with a covenant. I want you to read with me if you're open in your Bibles to Jeremiah. I want to read this because it's a very special passage Jeremiah 50 and verses 4 and 5. Now, I said last year, and because of a lecture that I gave on Jeremiah, I spent a lot of time looking at Jeremiah. And I came away with a lot of things that really, honestly, I had never gotten from the book before. I want you to listen to this language in Jeremiah 50, and I'm going to go down to, I'm oh, in 51. Jeremiah 50 and verses 4 and 5. Notice what he says here as God is telling him to declare this. He says, in those days, and this would be God speaking through Jeremiah, in those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping. They shall go and seek the Lord their God. Now I want you to stop and think for a minute. What's he talking about, in those days? And this reunification with Israel and Judah and all of that. Well, to a degree, he might be talking about the return from Babylonian captivity. I think he is. But there's something much more here. I believe he's talking to a degree about us. And notice how he's saying they will be going and weeping. For what they've done. For who they are. What they've become. And for the consequences of that. Because of that, they will seek the Lord their God. They'll, they'll go looking is the idea. I don't know if you ever reached a point in your life, looked around you and said, you know what, I, I need a better friend. <laughs> you know? I mean, honestly and truly. Maybe you reached a crisis in life and nobody was there. And you said, you know, I need something more than this. Maybe it is even that you felt so alone and without the help you really needed, you went looking for God. I think he's describing that. Look at verse 5. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, the King James says. In other words, with their faces toward it or to that place. And they'll say, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord, notice this, in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. Now that's different. And that's what we're talking about. Here was a group of people Who would say. And I think this speaks to us. I'm going to go find the Lord. And I'm going to enter a relationship with God. I'm going to have an agreement. That's not going to change. Not this time. Maybe I decided to be a Christian. And then I decided not. And then I started again. And then I. You know maybe I went through that cycle. But not this time. This time. I really feel. What I've done. Going. Weeping. This time I'm going to find the Lord. I'm going to go look for Him until I find Him. This time I'm going to enter into a covenant with God that will not be forgotten. And it's, so it's based on commitment. You'll notice what I put in parentheses true BFS. You know? True best friends forever. This time I want God not just to be my God that I look at and I say, oh boy, you know, God wouldn't like me if He saw me doing this. And all those statements we make. No, this time, I want to be a friend to God. And I want God for my friend. And like in James chapter 2, and I won't turn to that passage, but in James chapter 2, when James brings up Abraham, he says of Abraham that he believed God. When God said, I'll give you a son. And the descendants you're going to have are going to be like the stars of the heaven, the sands of the sea. And Abraham believed him. This time when I find God, I'm going to believe what God says. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to say I know better than God. I'm not going to try to substitute. that this time when I find God, we're going to have a real relationship. We're going to be best friends forever. Like Jesus said, and I'd like for you to turn with me to John 15. I'll touch on this passage several times this month. But I want to remind us that Jesus did not just call us to be his slaves. I've had that said to me over the years by different people. Oh, you're just a slave. No, I'm not. And there is a difference. Does God make me do what I do? The answer is no. Will there be consequences if I don't? Yes. Yes. But He doesn't make me. I choose to do it because, not because I have to. I did once. Now I choose to do what I do because I really and truly want to. And when you look at John 15, Jesus is not saying, I just want you to be a bunch of mindless robots or a bunch of slaves. No, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. You keep My commandments, you will abide in My love. Even as I've kept My Father's commandments, and I abide in His. These things have I spoken unto you that My joy might remain in you. A person says, how can you obey commandments and be filled with joy? You know what? You really can. It really is something that brings joy. And it does because you were made, created, built by God... To be faithful to God. The best life you're ever going to have. The most enjoyment you will ever feel. The greatest joy you will possess in life will be because you're faithful to God. And so Jesus said that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. And I want you to think about that for a second. Do you have anyone that you are relatively certain they would die for you? And you mean it. If you do, then that person is as close to you as is humanly possible. And if you know that, the security you feel in that relationship is beyond words. He died for me. And there is no greater love on this earth. And so Jesus said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. And Jesus said, I call you not. And I I would put the word just here. Because I think that's what Jesus is saying. I'm not just calling you as servants or slaves. I'm calling you to be friends. And that's what we want to build and maintain with the Lord. Our relationship is built and maintained in Jesus. We come to God by Jesus. We abide or remain in God. We'll touch upon these ideas as we go further. By Jesus. These verses in John 6 show us that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And we relate to God through Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 12, the mediator of a better covenant. 1 Timothy 5, we pray through Jesus, who is our mediator between God and us. Now, we also with God, though, want an intimate relationship. I was thinking about this the other day when I first put this term. I made this slide and I looked at it and I thought, boy, as soon as I put intimate, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to think of what the word has degenerated into. Intimacy is equivalent to sex. That's a real shame. Because intimate means close. And it means very close. And the truth is we do want to build and maintain an intimate relationship with God. One that has emotional unless you think I'm losing my mind, physical intimacy. And I'm going to talk more about that of the closeness physically we have with God, as well as emotionally and certainly spiritually. We might start, though, in Ephesians 2 and verse 4. God loved us with what the Bible calls a great love. His great love wherewith He loved us. In fact, John says it like this in 1 John 3 and verse 1. Behold what manner of love. What kind of love the Father has bestowed on us. Think about that for a second. What these writers are saying is that there's love. And when you begin to look at God and you see the love in God and the love that God... It's so much so that God, by John, is just equated with love. God is love. But what a great love. We talk about it. Bob did this morning. Talk about the things that God has done, what Jesus has gone through. And it was to say to us, I love you this much. You know, a child grows up in a home, and we have babies here. And I doubt very seriously that those babies sit down and really spend an hour or two meditating on the great love their parents have for them. Hey, just take for granted, man. You're hungry, mom's going to be there with the food. Dad's going to come walking through the door. Now, if you haven't had that, you don't take it for granted anymore. But children are like that. And then over the course of time, the parents get older and they slow down and the children grow up and they become adults. And the roles even reverse. And the child begins to think about the great love mom or dad had. Maybe they remember when they were a little child and they woke up in the middle of the night screaming from a nightmare or whatever and one of them sat there all night long. And they didn't think about it at the time that that it cost that person rest and that the next day they worked perhaps not having gotten to sleep, but they think about it now. Or that they walked the floor with them when they were sick or just the fact that they were there every day and you could count on it and rely on it And that security it gave you. That foundation for life it gave you. And the older you get, the more you think about it. And that love for God grows. And you begin to reciprocate. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. We love Him because He first loved us. What does Jesus say? Picture what I did. Read about what I did. I love you, Michael, that much. Peter, John 21, do you love me? Do you love me more than other people love me? Because you know, really, if I'm going to have a relationship with God that is special, that is holy, the truth is I'm going to love God more than other people love me. What about you, Michael? Do you love me like that? Our love for God may begin with that foundational response. Mine did. Maybe yours did. Where I had love, but love was more... An active goodwill, if you want to put it in technological terms, or technical terms rather. My love was simply my will that was submitting to God out of fear. You know, I knew the world could end. Russia could blow us up with a bomb or a host of other ways, as my friends were saying to me. Or if I kept going like I was going, where I was going to end up? And I got scared. And I said, I need to be a Christian. That's where it starts. But I'm gonna tell you something. That's not where it is now. Do I still fear hell? You bet I do. Do I still fear consequences of sin? I do. But the older I get, the just the consequences of it are not enough of a motivation. And let's be honest. You're not going to live, and when you get past a certain age, you're not going to live all of those years we think of at 17, 18 years old. No, it's much more than that. It grows. And it grows to be a deep affection for God. You know, the truth is, I don't know God like I will know Him someday, but I feel like I know Him a whole lot more than I did 30, 40 years ago. And what I know, I love. There's never been anyone that walked this earth like Jesus. Best friend you could ever have. Greatest person you could ever come to know. Jesus. And there's a deep affection that begins to form over the years. Even a family relationship. Because we have been, as a congregate, adopted by God. And what that means. I was not a child of God. I was not a son of God. I was not someone who deserved all those blessings that He's blessed us with. I didn't deserve it. I didn't have it. And it wasn't waiting for me. I was like someone who is on the outside of a privileged family in this world, only much more, but like someone looking in and seeing everything they have and knowing I will never have that. But God adopted me. And He didn't just adopt me as, you know, the stray dog I'm bringing in. (laughs) No, He brought me into His family and He said, Michael joint heir with Jesus. You share everything. You get everything that I have. I love you. I accept you. I cleanse you. I forgive you. You are my son. Or he says to someone, you are my daughter and I love you. And I love you, as we would say down here on earth, I love you as much as anyone could ever love someone of their own blood. Because I've placed you in my family as my child. Now that's special. Jesus is your brother. The Holy Spirit becomes your constant daily companion. We'll talk about some of these things. God is your Father. And it's the idea of responding to God, yes. Being affectionate toward God, yes. But it is also this idea of belonging to God. In His family. Part of the family of God. It takes time. It takes a diligent effort to build and maintain a lasting, holy relationship. That's true of a friendship on earth. It's true of a marriage. It's true of a parent-child relationship. It is true of our relationship with God. If it's going to be different, if it's going to be special, it's going to be a relationship that you keep, if God is going to be our friend, we're going to have to be close to God. And that's going to require the same kind of time. It takes time to be holy. Are you here today and you're not a child of God? You might say, I want that kind of relationship with God, but man, that seems like it's so far away from what I have. So impossible. It's not impossible. It takes time. If you obey the Gospel today, think in terms of today you meet somebody for the first time. You don't know them all that well. You know you like them. And you know some things about them. And you enter into an agreement. Let's be friends. It may not even be said like that, but let's be friends. And you begin to grow. You take that first step. You confess your belief. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Today, I begin to change my life. I've got a long way to go, but today, I start. The Lord says, be Be baptized. Let's wash away all those sins, all those mistakes, everything you ever did of the past. Let's just clear all that out, and we start brand new. You're born again. Maybe you're here today, and you look at your life, and you say, well, I did that back whenever. My relationship with God needs to really change. We'll be glad to pray together with you. Won't you please come while Ed leaves us in this song?